Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. Fort Collins City Council recently made a house on Cherry Street, the city's first landmark specifically tied to its Black history. On today's show, we explore the history of Virgil Thomas's home and the recognition of the city's diverse past. And we talk with a Fort Collins resident about her local family history that stretches 100 years back to the once major sugar bee industry. That's coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. Today, we're delving deep into Fort Collins history through the stories of two homes. Later in the show, we'll hear about an adobe house in the Alta Vista neighborhood that's still standing 100 years after being built. But first, we start with the home of Virgil Thomas, the first known African-American to graduate from a Fort Collins high school. In September, the Fort Collins City Council voted to approve a landmark designation for Thomas's historical home at 308 Cherry Street, making it the city's first historical landmark that recognizes the city's black history. Of course, Virgil Thomas was just one of many people of color that have contributed to life and culture in northern Colorado. But many are hopeful that this recent landmark status will serve as a stepping stone to elevating more diverse stories from Fort Collins history. To learn more about this historical designation and its larger impact, we spoke with the homeowner and lawyer Kim Baker Medina and a member of Fort Collins' BIPOC Alliance core team, Rashida Perez. Let me start with you, Kim. Tell us how you first learned that the house you own on 308 Cherry Street was of such significance. Well, actually, when we purchased the house, my husband and I, in 2013, we reached out to the city of Fort Collins to find out if it had historical significance. And interestingly enough, at that point, the city told us it did not because the city was looking at um, historical significance in a different way. So they were primarily looking at was it um, architecturally important or unique and things like that. Um, And then this past year during Black History Month, uh, the city contacted us and told us that our home would be part of a Black History Month tour um, because it had been the home of one of the early um, African-American families in Fort Collins. So that was really exciting to us um, to learn the history of the house and also to see that the city had shifted their definition of what was important historically um, and what was significant. And so we, um, my mother and I actually walked the the tour. And when we walked the tour, um, we noticed that um, several of the other houses on the tour were no longer there, that they had been um, knocked down or, um, you know, knocked over and and no longer were there. And so that um, got us to thinking about how we could help to preserve the history of our house. And we reached out to um, people in the city of Fort Collins and historic preservation to see about landmarking that property so that we could help to um, preserve the history of the Thomas family and contribute to the history of the neighborhood. So once you discovered the house was once home to Virgil Thomas, what have you learned about his life and upbringing? Did, did you go and dig, dig around for more information? The city of Fort Collins actually did um, the research and they did a great job on that. They researched um, not just the Thomas family, but a lot of the families that lived in that neighborhood. But Virgil Thomas, um, from what we've been told, was the first African-American student to graduate from Fort Collins High School. 
um, and um, was an athlete, um, participated, played football at Fort Collins High School, and then um, also played in a baseball league in the city of Fort Collins. He um, graduated and got a scholarship, a college scholarship, and later joined the military. Um, and um, so it's an interesting history and it's interesting when you read about not just the Thomas family, but about the other families in the neighborhood and what life was like. And really important to keep in mind also, like what was going on in the city of Fort Collins at that time, we had a, we had a huge Klan presence. Um, you know, Fort Collins, even up until the 60s was white trade only in downtown. And these um, homes are just a few blocks from downtown. So I think it's really important for us to remember um, what life was like then and look at what life is like now um, for, for people in Fort Collins and for communities of color. Right. Rashida, uh, I understand you work with the BIPOC Alliance core team in Fort Collins. Tell us a bit about that and uh, how and why you came to work there. I'm happy to. Um, at BIPOC Alliance, we have worked to do so many things for um, the BIPOC community. Um, not focusing on any one particular community, but focusing on BIPOC communities who are um, regularly unseen and left, um, you know, to be unheard and, and uncared for. Um, we worked to help get uh, Northern Coloradans of color vaccinated um, in the height of the pandemic, um, because we are all very aware of the um, the issues that people of color have with government in, in our bodies medically and um, in very valid issues. Uh, however, we did help to get so many <laughs> people of color vaccinated. Um, we also work with businesses of color, um, supporting them and uh, highlighting them and you know just trying to get them the support they need. Um, BIPOC Alliance is rooted in joy, and that is what brought me to BIPOC Alliance. Um, we are all so very aware of um, our history, uh, how we've been treated, our the things that our ancestors had to deal with, the trauma that still exists within us. And li we live that experience every day. But what brought me to BIPOC Alliance is the fact that we are rooted in joy. We have community monthly community um ceremonies that heal us as a community using ancestral indigenous um, practices and rooting us to the very land we stand on. Um, these practices are so important to, you know, keep alive all of the, the stories. Like Kim just said, you know, the homes uh, of the African-American or Black people that lived in Fort Collins were, a lot of them were knocked down. So they don't exist anymore. Keeping any ancestral um, or um, or historical value is so important to us because so much of it has already been torn down. Uh, so BIPOC Alliance is working to preserve that and to su support communities of color. We are talking with Kim Baker Medina, the owner of the house that was once home to Fort Collins' first African-American high school graduate, and Rashida Perez, a member of Fort Collins' BIPOC Alliance core team. Rashida, why do you think it is that this is the first landmark in the city that recognizes Black history in Fort Collins? So much of our our history, like we just said, had been has been suppressed or hidden. Um, America doesn't want us to believe that we're supposed to be here, um, and we absolutely do, and that's why 
um, Mr. Thomas's house and the preservation of that is so important to black history. Um, my family and I, just a little personal story, my family and I moved here from Southern California. I was, I'm a born and raised San Diegan. And um, we moved to Fort Collins and I, we, gosh, we've been here about seven years. And I've got to tell you that until um, I learned about Mr. Thomas's home and the preservation, I never felt rooted here. I never felt welcome. Um, despite the fact that I am raising two small children in the Poudre School District, and I'm very active within that school district. Um, and um, I'm also a small business owner and I'm very rooted in the um, business community. And I still very much felt like I'm an invader here. Mr. Thomas's house really brought me to feel or really made me feel like we are supposed to be here. We were meant to be here. Um, and uh, it's a, that's a huge thing for myself and my family. And I'm trying to keep my emotions in check here. <laughs> to kind of follow up on what Rashida was saying, I think that unfortunately um, our legacy in this country is that um, we have done historical preservation in the way that we have taught history, which is that um, we teach the history of, of white people and we teach the history of wealthy people and they are considered important um, and they are considered leaders. And um, our historic present, we don't teach the history of working class people and we don't teach the history of, of people of color or, or of those leaders, right? And those important people. And unfortunately, I think our preservation has taken that same track so that we have preserved significant stately um, mansions of, of former mayors, right? And of, and of bankers and things like that. But we haven't preserved communities of color and we haven't preserved the communities of working class people and we haven't taught their history. And I also think that it's really important um, as we see our communities become gentrified, Fort Collins, like a lot of our um, front range communities is becoming increasingly gentrified. And gentrification um, can often erase um, communities of color and working class communities and their history. And so I think that as we see gentrification happening in our communities, we need to be really cognizant of what we are taking over and what we are knocking down. And I think that um, landmark preservation can be a tool for communities to, um, to prevent gentrification from erasing their history. Landmark status, of course, is just one pathway to preserving these stories. What are some other ways we can better remember and honor the history of, of people of color in Fort Collins? I think that we need to elevate those, are here, those who are here currently. I think that we need to, first of all, teach real history. Um, second of all, um, you know, encourage our CSU students. CSU students come from everywhere and they are um, pioneers in every aspect. We need to um, uh, celebrate them and secure them staying here. Um, and part of that is preserving the history and teaching them the history of, um, you know, the fact that pretty much all races have always been here. Um, we need to make a very welcoming environment and um, and support businesses of color. The reason, one of the reasons why um, people of color are not celebrated and Black people in particular are not celebrated is because 
they are um, systematically held down uh, financially um, and and so forth uh, with education as well. And so uh, by elevating businesses of color, um, by elevating children of color, we are um, we are allowing and um, aiding in the progress of that um, you know that potential wealth, that potential um, business structure, and um, you know assistance to the community because um, when businesses are booming, when businesses are doing well, um, they hire, right? And that helps the entire community. Um, so, you know, I think that um, paying more attention to local businesses of color and local students of color and giving them more support, whether it be um, financial or, um, you know, mental health wise, um, creating a healthy environment is definitely going to be important as well as um, preserving the history. Um, and then once again, rooting us here, um, despite the fact that, um, you know, the white supremacist uh, history tried to erase us. Rashida, you just mentioned, you know, preserving the history. Kim, I wanted to ask you if you could describe the home as Virgil Thomas knew it. And how are you preserving that history in the house now? The house kind of looks like a child's drawing of a house. So it's a little square with a door in the middle and a window on each side. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's small and it's simple. Um, and, you know, when you go in, you think about how, how people, um, how those communities lived in, and there were entire families in this very small space um, living together and, and, and eating and cooking and um, doing all of these, all of these things. So um, it's, uh, we have, it's all, has all the original windows and floors, the original lath and plaster we had to cover up um, because it was, um, it was pretty in bad shape, but we just, we left it intact. We just covered it with some thin drywall. Um, and um, you can really tell um, what it looked like. It still pretty much looks the same. What is the biggest takeaway from the landmark status for the Virgil Thomas House? I think it's important um, for those of us who want to be allies to communities of color that we give communities of color the space to tell their stories. And so that doesn't just mean um, space to talk about, but also physical space and, and preserving that physical space so that, so that um, communities can tell, tell their stories. So I think that that, um, for me, is a really important takeaway. Right. And Rashida, what about for you, the biggest takeaway from this landmark status or, you know, what else might this lead to? Um, my biggest takeaway uh, from this landmark status is um, I, I am grateful to you, Kim, for, you know, um, being um, open to this to this process and to preserving this home for the black community. Um, I. I hope and wish that there are more people like you. Um, and I, I honestly, uh, it gives me hope for, um, you know, Black Americans and people of color um, to root ourselves more in Fort Collins, um, to feel more secure in our space here, um, and to feel more willing to speak up and to uh, be more able to purchase property and hopefully on Cherry Street. Um, I'd love to see us there again. Um, and uh, I, I see a future where our vo voices are heard um, and beyond being heard, I see a future for my children and for children of color um, 
you know, feeling or not feeling, actually truly being equal. And when Kim said, um, you know, when we uh, teach history, um, we need to teach everyone's history. And I agree. And I think a big part of that is teaching true history and not suppressing, um, you know, the unsavory. We don't like to hear it, but it happened. And the best way that we learn to not repeat history is to learn about it. Um, and and it's probably why we're in the shape we're in right now is because we tried to avoid it. And now we're having to deal with it again. So um, I think it's important that this home is um, being preserved. Um, and I, I look forward to, to seeing more and learning more about Black history in Fort Collins. Kim Baker Medina is a lawyer and homeowner of the historic Virgil Thomas home. And Rashida Perez is a member of Fort Collins BIPOC Alliance core team. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you, Erin. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. In the early 20th century, the sugar beet industry was a major economic empire along the northern front range. It drove population growth and the development of homes and neighborhoods that are still around today, even if the industry itself no longer has a large presence there. At the heart of that population growth were people from Mexico and ethnic Germans from Russia coming to work in the beet fields and factories. To the northeast of Old Town Fort Collins, in the heart of the industry, three neighborhoods were settled in the first part of the 20th century, Buckingham, Andersonville, and Alta Vista, each with distinct communities and even architectural styles. And while Hispanic settlement did influence Andersonville and Buckingham, it primarily took hold in Alta Vista, which had little previous German-Russian settlement. Relative to the other mostly European colonies, the majority of the homes in Alta Vista were built from adobe. And according to a 2004 report funded by the State Historical Fund, the Alta Vista neighborhood once housed one of the northernmost collections of domestic adobe architecture in North America. One of these adobe homes, still standing today, was built in 1921 by Jose Dolores Cordova and his family, who have been part of northern Colorado and Fort Collins history ever since. Colorado Editions' Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny met up with Ashley Cordova, the great-granddaughter of Jose Dolores Cordova, to see the original adobe work and to hear a century's worth of Cordova family history. All right, so we are approaching 749 Martinez Street, which is our family home. My name is Ashley Cordova. I'm 34 years old. I'm a Fort Collins native. Um, my family's been in this area for over 100 years. This was built by my great-grandfather, Jose Dolores Cordova, in 1921. They moved out here. My grandmother, they brought my grandmother here to Fort Collins in a covered wagon from Cerro, New Mexico. And this is where the family home still stands 100 years later. It's built out of adobe, so straw, mud. My grandmother was a small little girl making the blocks for this home. This addition facing west, that was actually added on later on. Um, this was just a one, one bedroom home. And then they continued to add on. Um, so my grandmother came from a family of 10. My great grandmother and grandfather had 10 children. So as you can imagine, you know, um, 
having that many kids in, in this small of a home. And up there's the attic where the boys, you know, slept up there and the girls on the bottom. Um, so yeah, it's been our family home for, like I said, a hundred years. My great-grandfather, my grandmother, my uncle Andrew owns the home and his son Andrew lives here now. So, I, I mean, I grew up here. This is my home. My mom lived two doors down, um, 813 Martina Street, and then my grandparents lived here. Um, this is my cousin Doug's property that's been here for years. And over here is where we picked our choke cherries. We had crab apples. Wow. So all the wildlife would come out here and just eat. We had livestock here. Um, so it was pretty amazing to grow up here and just see this. And, you know, my children get to see this now and hopefully further generations. I mean, when you're young back then, you're like, oh, you hear the stories and they're always told. But as you get older, I become just so infatuated with it. Like this is a piece of history and it's my family history and to be able to talk about it and just share our story um, means everything to me. After my grandmother died, so 15 years ago, I became really involved with it. I wanted to know more. I wanted to just continue to carry our legacy on. My grandfather, Philip, was married to my grandmother, Rosie, and he had our, his family is from Walsenburg, Colorado. So they've been in Fort Collins in Colorado for over a hundred years. My grandmother's family, Rosie Cordova, her father, like I said, brought her out in a covered wagon when she was six months old to Fort Collins to better their lives. We have a street named after us. I worked really hard with the city of Fort Collins in 2017. It was a lot of hard work and I was very dedicated to that and I made sure that my family was recognized and honored. So we're seven generations now in Fort Collins, um, the Cordova family, which is absolutely amazing. You know, Kenny Cordova, he's my cousin. He's performed over 30 years in Fort Collins and so a lot of people recognize that name. Um, my cousin, Manuel Cordova, was a physical, physical a PE teacher and he dedicated his life to education so the Rocky Mountain High School Frenchfield is named after him in honor of him. I'm always giving back to my community. We have many generations of military both men and women in the Cordovas. My grandmother was she was in fifth grade when she dropped out of school to help her parents raise her younger siblings and she had to work in the beet fields and she was just so strong. Um, so education was very, she talked about it all the time and she really pushed us, her children, her grandchildren, and even her great-grandchildren to further education. That was really important to her. I grew up with my grandparents who were born in the 1920s and so they taught me how to wash on the washboard. I That's how I grew up. So I had friends always talking about clean clothes and they would wash in their washing machine and I'm like I washed my clothes like once a week on a washboard and had to hang them up on a clothesline. I just grew up in a different because they were older I grew up like that. They taught me how life lessons and struggles and how to be strong and if something broke what to do to replace that so um, you know, we we were not, we were poor. We didn't have anything. You, there's the clotheslines right there. Those are really old. Yeah. Uh, my uncles used to hunt all the time. So all of this, 
bow and arrow. They used to hunt bow and arrow. All of this, we used to have targets and they used to hunt, they used to practice. Um, we had a canal back there. We used to run back there. Um, there's an old, old folks tale uh, and my family would always talk about the Yorona being back here. The, the woman that, uh, so she would cry for her children. It's an old folks tale and so that's how they would get us in. It's like, all right, it's getting dark. You guys get out in here. Um, so we used to just run all of this, this field on our dirt bikes and we used to play here. It'd be muddy. Um, yeah, just being here so much has changed. It's, it's emotional for me to be here. Every time I come here, it's just super emotional. I, I just so many memories, my childhood, my adulthood. It's very emotional for me to see all of the change because growing up, you didn't, you thought this was it. I mean, you know, the city didn't want anything to do with us because we were in the Spanish colony. We were, you know, poor. And one day they just decided to come in and was like, you need to get rid of your livestock. You need to, now we became city limits and change is really hard. Change is good, but it's been hard just because my roots are here and that's been really interesting to watch just change around me. 100 years, I hope that my great-grandchildren will still continue our legacy um, and just keep you know, our family roots alive and where we were, where we are, and where we are yet to be. That was Ashley Cordova telling the story of her family's legacy across a century in Fort Collins. That piece was produced by Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny. And you can see photos of the home at our website, KUNC.org. That's our show for today. Tomorrow on Colorado Edition, we'll explore how our changing climate affected the launch of a cider business on the Western Slope and how it could affect their viability into the future. I'm Erin O'Toole. Our production team includes Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny. Our digital editor is Jackie High. Brian Larson is our executive producer. Thank you so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. KUNC.